Pray. Put those hands together one more time as we welcome Brother Kirk to come and minister and preach the word of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone else. Praise the Lord, everyone all together. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I don't know if we truly understand what we're saying there, but we're saying great is the Lord, so he's already great, and greatly to be praised. That's where we show up. <laughs> great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. According to his excellent greatness, according to how good God has been to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful God we serve. Amen. I, I'm just, I'm an excited individual right now. I feel very honored to be here. Thank you for, again, the very warm welcome and the hospitality. Extend, again, uh, honor to um, Brother Merrick, Brother and Sister Merrick, as well as um, the leadership and the staff here and Pastor and Sister Lichtel for uh, welcoming and inviting us to be here. I want to honor my wife as well with all five of our children. She is just a star that gets it done. Amen. Amen. God has been so good to us. I send greetings from the church in Columbia Heights. In We have been experiencing revival down there. We were at a planning retreat and uh, this last weekend, and we started counting the number of people that had come for the very first time that are sticking around at the church that are just hungry, just hungry for the things of God, hungry for something real, right, and not plastic and not shallow or empty. We counted in the last year, there's been over 71 people that have stuck around that just said, I'm tired of fake religion. I'm tired of stuff that just that d doesn't satisfy. I want something real. And it's taken off. I, I, well, I could go into some testimonies. We may do that tonight, but um, it's just taking off and it's getting a little bit out of control. And that's where we want it to be. Because I don't want to control. I want him to be in control. Amen. If you turn your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, chapter number 6, I'm also going to read one verse from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 58. Amen. I have, um, I want to thank those that helped kind of get this set up here tonight. I have brought from, from my own garage and my work area my favorite anvil, because it, it's the only one I have, so... Because why do you need two? I mean, that doesn't, like, <laughs> okay, anyway. So that's going to make sense in just a little bit of what that's all about. And we'll kind of just revolve around that or kind of move around that a little bit here tonight. But I just kind of want to take a little bit of time. Um, while you're turning to Luke 6, and if you're already there, um, just want to just share one thing with you. Thank you for having Sunday night service and for being here on a Sunday night. Amen. I know I'm kind of a young uh, pastor, young preacher, but... I love Sunday night church. There is, there is nothing like it. I love Sunday morning church. I love, uh, we have midweek service on Wednesday nights. I love Wednesday night church. I love revivals when we have Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night church. But there's something special about Sunday night church. So thank you for being here tonight and for engaging, not just showing up, but engaging. 
this is this is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Amen. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 27. It reads, But I say to you who hear. I don't know if I want to listen, though. It says, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Man, should we skip down? No, just keep going. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. (laughs) Musicians are already ready, I guess. They're ready to go. No, okay. All right, I won't say that again. (laughs) Um, To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. It's like, offer it. Here you go. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. Just as you want men to do with you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also, and if I can just insert this, to you and to me, has been merciful. I didn't deserve it. I don't mean to step on anyone's toes tonight, but you didn't deserve it either. I don't know why he did, but he did it. Because his love for us, he just says, do the same. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 as well. One verse tonight while you're still standing. This, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. and This is one of my favorite verses from my pastor growing up, Pastor Dale Hodges in Spencer, Iowa. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, this is Paul writing, obviously. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Tonight, with the help of the Lord, and for a little while, I just want to preach on this subject, this thought. One simple word, immovable. Immovable. While the sands are shifting... His church has been built on a rock. And while everything on earth is being shaken that can be shaken, his church, in this time as well, shall be unmovable. Amen. Amen. 
Let's just pray tonight before we get into the preaching. Jesus, we love you today, Lord. We thank you that you have been so kind and so merciful to us. That despite the things that we have gone through, Lord, despite Lord, the things we've done, even done against your name, Jesus, you have been kind to us and good to us and merciful. That we didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it, Lord. And you chose us. And I don't know why you chose me, but you, you still did. Thank you, Jesus. And God, in this season that we're in, in this time that we're in, and the, as the temperature is increasing, the pressure is increasing, Lord, we don't, we don't know what's going on all around us. Yet, Lord, we are your people. We are your church. You have called us by your name. And so, God, you have charged us and commissioned us to be immovable, Lord. No matter what happens in this season that's coming along and coming ahead of us, no matter what happens in the next wave and what has to come, Jesus, we want to be your church immovable in all things. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Why don't you do this? Shake hands with somebody here tonight. Tell them to be immovable. Shake hands with someone tonight. Tell them they look good, even if you have to speak by faith. I want to get one thing really clear from the outside of this service, and I know I'm in northern Minnesota, although it's not really reflective of some in northern Minnesota. I, we, we lived in Bemidji for just about eight years and uh, really loved it up there. We love the north, but sometimes one thing that I realized in coming to, nor to, to northern Minnesota when we moved here <clears throat> was that the, the, the response of this um, Norwegian culture and preaching is not like anywhere else. And that's not a bad thing. It's just who we are. Well, who you are. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> just relax. So when we invite preachers to come, even to, even to the Twin Cities area, when we, invite, when we invite preachers to come, I kind of have to warn them a little bit, especially if they're from the South. And we, and we talk to them. Because and, and, down South, I mean, you say one thing, and everybody's running the aisles and losing their minds. And it's just, I mean, that's the way things roll down there. But up in Minnesota, we just kind of, we're really, really reflective and really thoughtful and just tell me more and then I'll catch up eventually. But one of the things I love about Minnesotans is, is how sincere we are. That we're not inauthentic, we're not disingenuous, you're sincere. And when we do praise, it's not just out of emotional reaction, but it's out of a deep, heartfelt love and gratitude for God. So when we talk about being immovable, that doesn't mean being stuck in our ways. Can I get an amen? Okay, that was pretty good. Okay, I, I won't ask for more. That's good enough. We'll settle for that. No, it's not about being stuck in our ways. It's not about saying, well, I'll just kind of wait this thing out or see where all of this goes or anything like that. But it's not, that's not what I mean. But what I do mean by that is, and what I believe Scripture gives us some guidance on is this, is that in the pressure that you feel mounting in this world, and we do feel pressure mounting, yes? Yes, you do feel pressure mounting. You feel pressure mounting everywhere that you go. If you are a child of the king, if you are a, a, a person of the name, that's, what, that's, what we are, that's who we are. We're people of the name, of the name of Jesus Christ. And if you're unashamed of the name of Jesus, then you have his name on your heart and on your lips and on your life, then the pressure is mounting against God's people. 
It's true. Everywhere you go, that, that, that there's, and we sang about it this morning, that, uh, about the name of Jesus, and, and, we, and we were worshiping him. And, and, and I, love, I love how in, in this church and in, in many of the songs that we sing and the way that we worship, we're not afraid to say the name of Jesus. I have a, I have a good friend of mine who's uh, Lutheran. Bless his heart. He's still Lutheran. He's not apostolic yet, but we're, we're working there. But anyway, um, a good friend of mine who has just continuously been dissatisfied with all the churches that he's gone to, and he's still searching. And it's like, you don't have to search anymore. You've got, you, like, come on in. It's really easy. <laughs> but the, the issue is this. He says, he says to me, Nathan, he says, one of the things I like about your church is that you have a high JPM. And so I don't know what that is. And he says, you have a high Jesus per minute. That when, in, in apostolic churches, in Pentecostal churches, it's all about Jesus. It's all about the name of Jesus. And everyone, the songs that you sing, the way that you preach, the way that you pray, it's about the name of Jesus Christ. And in our world today, the pressure is mounting for people of the name. I was sharing with your pastor just yesterday a little bit that I was a part of an ecumenical prayer breakfast, which is a complete waste of time. But I was a part of an ecumenical prayer breakfast in our community, and one of the things that struck me as interesting is that in that prayer breakfast, there were only two people of the dozens that spoke and offered prayers that mentioned the name of Jesus. One of them was an apostolic preacher that is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the other one in the city of Columbia Heights was a Muslim imam. Our world is afraid of the name of Jesus. Don't want to touch it. Don't want to talk about it. We talked about it, we sang about it here tonight, how many have taken his name in vain. And, and that has a whole separate meaning. That, but but what, what, what this means to us is that people of the name who believe in one God are uncompromising in the one God that we believe in. That the pressure, like we don't fit in, we can't fit in and sit at the table of compromise with everybody else. We just can't do that. We don't belong at the table of compromise because Jesus did not come to compromise. He came to conquer. He didn't come to sit down and just say, well, let's see where I can fit in, but he drew a line in the sand with a sword in his hand, and he said, it's, it's going to be this way, folks, and as an apostolic movement, as, as a preacher of the gospel, as saints of the living God, the pressure on you and I, it's mounting in this world to compromise. It's mounting in this world to compromise your belief, to compromise your convictions, to compromise your commitments. It's mounting in this world, but I just believe that God is looking for a church that is built on the rock and is saying, I'm not going anywhere we're not going anywhere but forward we're not going anywhere but but forward there's nothing more that our cities would like to I, I know the city of Columbia Heights and, and we're working on them and we're getting there but even in the city of Blaine where we have one of our daughter works there's nothing more than than what some of them would like to do would then to get rid of and kind of push away and push out people of the name and we just said, well, you don't have to worry about that. We're just, not, we're just really stubborn, too. And we're just not going anywhere. But forward. Immovable doesn't mean that you don't advance. It doesn't mean that you don't go forward. But it means that we don't compromise. 
We don't give up. We remain consistent. This message from Jesus, as we read in Luke chapter 6, is probably not one of our favorite passages to consider as a believer, however. I'm, I'm not a pastor here. Oh, I'm not supposed to apologize as much. Sorry. Um, oh, I just did it again. So, okay, got it. So, <laughs> I don't know how you all do it, and I don't follow anybody on, on social media or anything like that. I'm not really particularly interested in that. But I wonder if sometimes some of the things that we post online reflect what this word tells us to be. All right, let's move on. Actually, let's not. Let's not. Because you, could, you realize, I mean, we live in a world of cancel culture, right? And everything you say, everything you either tweet or post or whatever is being, is being stored up and ready to use against you at any point. And, and sometimes I know our flesh rises up and maybe gets the better of us. I know sometimes our flesh rises up and we allow that to happen. And it, but, but not just, and sometimes we have a disconnect from what we text with our thumbs from what we say out of our mouths. But it's still something, whatever source it's coming from, it's coming from a heart. So, so here we have these avenues to be like Christ and what does it mean and what is his commission to us in Luke chapter 6? He's giving us these examples of things that in our flesh we don't like to do. I don't, my flesh doesn't like to love my enemy. Are you kidding me? I don't, well, no, I'm not going to get political, so I'll try to, let me steer this. It doesn't, doesn't really matter. You can apply it in any way that you want. How do we talk about our enemies? You know, there are people that we perceive to be our enemies, people that we perceive to be so destructive maybe to, our, to this country, so uh, destructive in even people that would, that would harm us and be against us in our faith. How are we interacting? How are we thinking about them? When I think of Paul, Paul is a type of a person, the Apostle Paul, that there were those that were so against him with his, in what he believed and what he, the mess, this, this saving message. They were, they were always, always, someone was always constantly working against them, but, but Paul didn't spew off just vitriolic words to them. He had a heartbeat for them, and he didn't change the message at all, but he said, I'm just going to love my enemies. I'm going to do good to those that hate me. And in our flesh, we don't want to do that. Because it hurts. It feels like we're giving something up. It feels like if, I am, if I'm kind to somebody who's nasty to me, I feel like I'm giving something up. And you know what? You're exactly right, but you don't know quite what you are giving up. What you give up when, in those moments when you do that is you give up your identity and you reveal Christ's identity. And in this day, we don't need just good preachers or good saints that look like good people. We need people of God that are reflecting Jesus Christ. That everywhere we go, people in this world say, there's something different about you. There's something different about you. When they get mad, you don't respond in anger. When they call you names, you don't fight back. When they take from you, you don't try. What is so different? I'll tell you what is different about me. It's my Savior. It's my God. It's Jesus Christ. And I'm unwavering no matter the pressure. 
My heart goes out for our young people. Our young people today are, are under such an immense attack in this world. And the, the attack that the young people have in this world is so subtle. It's so subtle. The scripture guides us and it says, and these are the words of Jesus. He says, bless those who curse you. We can sometimes do this one. Pray for those who spitefully use you. We can sometimes do that one. But our prayers probably don't align with this scripture. Our prayers are more like, Lord, take this anvil, translate it into the air, and let it land right on the hood of their car. I'm praying for them. I'm just, I'm just being obedient to Scripture. I'm praying for them. You think that's what Jesus was saying here? Probably not. And we don't like that. Our flesh, our humanity doesn't like that. It doesn't like to pray for those who use you. It doesn't like to bless those who, who curse you. It doesn't like to do good to those who hate you. It doesn't like to love our enemies. We don't always like the idea of enduring what we think is injustice in our lives. Because we can feel like a doormat. Anybody, anyone ever feel like a doormat? I want to change maybe our mindset about that here today. We're not doormats. We're not doormats. You're not someone that, that the world can just walk on. But can I tell you what you are? You are a tool that the Lord is using to shape someone else's life. I was reading a book by T.F. Tenney, and he talked about how when they were, were having just these profound, incredible revival services, that he went into this factory and, and was being introduced to some people in the factory. And this lady start, began to mock him and began to, and began to uh, make fun of him. And, and as soon as he locked eyes on her, he said in this book that he was writing that she immediately just, just her eyes, she stopped right where she was at, stopped what she was saying. And she welled up with tears and just began to cry because of conviction that had come upon her at that moment. He didn't have to say a thing. He didn't have to do a thing. All that he had to do was realize this stuff that she was putting on him was just the Lord's way of working on her. And he said, you can handle this so I can work on her. Okay. You're not a doormat. You are an instrument that God is using to shape the lives of people and to give them another chance. And it doesn't feel good. Being mocked doesn't feel good. Young people, children, you're going to be mocked for your faith. You're going to be mocked for what you believe. What are you doing wearing those skirts? How come you got along? How come you don't say things like this? Why, why, don't, you, why don't you watch this or watch that? How, why, why do you go to church on Sunday nights? And why do you do all these weird things that you do? You, you might be mocked and ridiculed for the things that you believe. It, it's, it's going to happen. But the Lord is not asking you to just respond and throw scripture at them. The Lord is just asking you to, to just go ahead and absorb some of those blows so that you can love them. And parents, it's our job to come along with our children and just say, come on, come on, I, let me take some of that pressure. Let me take some of that heat. Let me take, let me take some of that pressure that you're feeling because they shouldn't have to carry this all on their own. 
immovable. Immovable. In Isaiah, if we could maybe go there real, real quickly here tonight. In the book of Isaiah, chapter number 54. And we know maybe Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. We'll get there in a second, but <laughs> sorry, I'm just totally messing with you back. I'm, sorry, I'm not supposed to. Okay, sorry. Verse 16 says this. It says, Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to, dis- to destroy. But no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This, which is the peace and the security and the triumph over oppression, this heritage is of the servants of the Lord. And it's not always the weapon that breaks us. It's not always the weapon itself that hurts us. But it can be the forming of the weapons that can try us. Because when the blacksmith begins to work and begins to form some things in this world, there is something that he needs to form it on. The Lord is setting things up, and I, and I'm trying, I, don't, I don't claim to know prophecy forward and backward and, or anything like that, so it's the wrong guy for that. But the Lord is setting things up, and I'm just, we're just choosing to believe, we're just choosing to believe that this is the 11th hour. And he's setting things up to shut this thing down. And we sang about it this morning, we're, we're excited about and we sing about it tonight, we, and I think it's beautiful to sing about the coming of the Lord. Because he is coming back. He is returning. And his return is sooner than when you first believed. He's coming back. He's coming back. And he is on. It's like he's on the way. He's coming back for his church. And there's going to be a time when he takes the church out of this world. When he takes us out of this world. But until that time. The Lord uses the people of God as he's always done throughout, throughout this book as something that stands as an indictment against the sin in this world. There has to be a voice somewhere. There has to be a model somewhere. There has to be a people somewhere who will stand up and will say, I will not be moved. No matter the circumstances, no matter the heat, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, I will not be moved. Oh, I wish I had a church tonight that, that was with this here today that says, I, you know what, this last year and a half was tough, and if the last, the next one coming up is even harder, fine, great, bring it on, because I will not be moved. Go ahead and try it, devil. Go ahead and try it, world. What are you going to throw at us? I serve the creator of all the universe. I serve my God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I serve the one who literally died three days in the grave and rose again. What are you going to do? I will not be moved. No matter what happens, no matter what comes your way, There needs to be a church that is unwavering, unmovable, that doesn't move. 
Jesus tells us in the Gospels, he's speaking to his disciples, he's speaking to the people, and he says these words. He says, such as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes again. Such as it was in the days of Noah. What was going on in the days of Noah? Well, let's, let's go ahead and dive into that. This is Matthew chapter 24, 37 says, But as, as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Noah and his family bore the brunt of the world on their shoulders and on their backs. And, and at that time, it was violence and corruption that ruled the world. Genesis 6.11 says it was violence. The earth was filled with violence, which was the appetite given to the souls of those who transgressed God's moral laws. And Genesis 6.11 says the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence, such as it was in the days of Noah. Verse 13 goes on to say again, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. We, have, we are seeing violence and destruction taking over in our world. Where, where, the, where those that are violent aren't, aren't being taken and, and held accountable according to the law, and they're just being given a free pass, and all that that does is creates a culture of violence. So now in our world, not just through Hollywood, but through actual practice, we are seeing in real time a culture of violence being created in our world, such as it was in the days of Noah. But there had to be one man and one family who said, I don't care what's going on. You can mock me as much as you want. You can, and you say, well, rain, what are you talking about, rain? We've never seen rain before. Rain's never going to come. What are you talking about? You can mock me as much as you want. You can say whatever you want to say. You can go ahead and deride me and put the pressure on. It doesn't matter. I'm still going to do what God called me to do until he comes to take us away from this corruption. That no matter what, church, no matter what. I know we live in the United States of America and in this beautiful state of Minnesota. I know that we live here and we talk about our freedoms and our liberties that we have. But can I tell you that I, I don't know how things are going to go. And unless the nation nationally begins to fall on its face and begin to repent and turn towards God, that's the only hope that we have. But can I tell you, if things continue to go in a downward direction for our nation, there needs to be a church and a people that will stand its ground and say, I will not be moved. I'm not going anywhere. And if you felt like you had pressure before, there's pressure that's coming. But can I tell you, God has set all of this up to use his church to do a work and to be there. When all of this goes down, God is setting all of this up for you to be used of God. But it wasn't just the violence. It was the corruption. Genesis 6.5 says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Verse number 12 of the same chapter, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way 
upon the earth. That is an image. So it's like, well, when is Jesus coming back? Such as it was in the days of Noah. And that is the image of the world we're living in now. Right now, there's, there's the slightest, thinnest veil over all of this to try and keep it under wraps as much as possible. But that veil is deteriorating as the cauldron is, is, is spewing up the violence and corruption. You can't hide it anymore. It's everywhere. Violence and corruption is everywhere. But even in all of that time that was for Noah, the Lord was still using that man and his family to stand firm. And they bore the heat, they bore the pressure. They bore the effects of it. And the smith, as it were, the smith had taken the material of the, which is this world and it was working people over. And there had to be something to absorb the blow. There has to be someone who's willing to take the pressure. There has to be someone who's willing to take the heat. There has to be someone who's willing to say, here am I, Lord. Just use me. Just use me. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Bless those who curse you. Smith works on the world through his material, and the materials and the impurities of violence and corruption are placed on the immovable object of Noah and his family, God's people. And Noah's righteousness and his obedience didn't, didn't waver, and it didn't sway. Look, church, I don't know what's coming in the next wave. I believe there is a next wave. Okay, well, we can say whatever we want. Like, I, I believe there is a next wave. I believe more things are coming, and that's not doom and gloom. That ought to excite us. That, that ought to excite us. You know what's happening in this world today? Let me just give you a couple of quick testimonies of what's happening in the world today. What's happening, at least from, from my limited perspective and point of view, just where we pastor and we minister, what's happening in the world today is that people are finding that they are disgusted with, with dead religion. They are tired of something that has no power. They're tired of something that has no anointing and no authority. And so they are hungry and they are searching for something that is real and something that is true and something that doesn't waver no matter who's in office or what happens and what decisions and what politics come out and what laws are passed or what mandates are given they're, they're looking for something that just is stable and certain and unchanging and there has to be a people not just a building not an organization there has to be a people and let me just down, get down on our personal level there's got to be a person Every there's got to be you and 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 us there's got to be a people that are saying I'm not wavering one bit The very best thing that the enemy has to use against you is intimidation. We, we got into this. I almost apologize, so I, I, I saved myself. We got into this at Greater Life and had a very um, passionate discussion about this. And finally, I just, you know, I like to get different points of view and talk to people and kind of find out what they think and, and everything like that. And so we were just kind of chatting and talking about, about what the enemy can do in your life. 
we, we also, people, people are living in such fear in this world. The, the climate of our world is fear. And so then fear began to come into the church, and the church began to think that the enemy can do whatever he wants in your life. It's not true. So Jesus said these words. He said, all power, all, that's all power and authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. So what power does the enemy have? Well, that mean just like a little bit? Like what power does the devil have? Only what we leave on the table. Only what we give over to him. And only what God will, will allow him for his purpose to do. That's it. That's it. The enemy, like what power? Did, the devil's just been trying. No, 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 no. No, devil, no. Like I'm tired of negotiating with the devil. I'm tired of talking. Like, like why do we negotiate? Why do we even wrestle with him? Why do we even mess with him? Just leave me alone. I've got stuff to do. I've got kingdom work to do. I got, I'm too busy to mess with this nonsense of, of some devil that thinks that he can intimidate. Okay, so to that point, there's, there's a lady in our church who, and some of you know her, she has been um, battling cancer for the last couple of years. And she's a prayer warrior. She's one of those people that, you know, like we were very blessed this morning. After we got done preaching, after the altar call was over, we were up here. And there were some of you wonderful people that came up and said, can we pray for you and your family? We said, oh, yeah, thank you. That's great. And then, and then some of you prayed for my wife. And I just said, yes, I'm out of here. So, no. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing a little bit. So, um, but there's this lady in the church. And when, when she prays for you, she doesn't ask permission, number one. And when she prays for you, like everybody in the church knows that she's praying for you. And it's not in an embarrassing way necessarily, but she gets a hold of God. And in, 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 this close to you, she, she's getting a hold of God. <laughs> and it's intense. I remember, I, honey, forgive me, I'm just going to tell. It's not your fault. I just have to say it. I just have to. <laughs> I remember one time in Bemidji, I was so excited because I was up in the sound booth running sound, and I had no business being up there. I have no idea what I'm doing. But, you know, sometimes in the north, you just need a warm body. So there I am playing with levers. I don't know what I'm doing. But I remember this lady came over and grabbed my wife's hand and started running the aisles and screaming in that little church in Bemidji. And I was just like, oh, thank you, Lord, that I'm not down there. And like, I went down the stairs and locked the door and came back up. It was just, I was just so happy, you know. She's the type of person that, that if you have something going on in your life, you come to her and you say, will you pray for me? Will you pray about this situation? Just that type of person, right? You have those type of people here that are praying people. And I love the theme of what, we're talk, of what you're talking about here in, in Grand Rapids about praying and praying be, being a daily thing and, and intentional. I think that's, that's beautiful and wholly necessary. But this great woman of faith and prayer was diagnosed with cancer. And I just started pastoring and I started, I, I, I was like, Lord, are you kidding me? This is, I need her. <laughs> like, I need her. Because sometimes I'll tell her to pray for somebody else and that I don't really like and I'm kind of upset with. So I'll just sick her on them. And, you know, and, you know they have a choice. <laughs> like, Lord, are you serious? And she, began, uh, she just became very down, very upset, and she took it really hard. 
And then, then one day she told me, this was the summer we were talking, she told me, she said one day she was in an appointment with her oncologist, talking with her oncologist, uh, her, her cancer specialist doctor, about, who's a great doctor at the Mayo, like, wow, pretty high up there. Pretty, and if you've ever been to the Mayo Clinic, it's like the best of the best. Okay. And there's, a, there's kind of a, an air to the doctors at the Mayo Clinic because they know they're the best of the best. And her oncologist was dealing with a sickness herself that, that this doctor, she didn't know what she was going to do about it. And this little northern Minnesota lady of faith said, doctor, can I pray for you? And in the middle of this, of this little room, this little tiny room in the Mayo Clinic, she begins to pray for her doctor. And the Holy Ghost fell in there. And she, and she said, Nate, I'll tell you what. I started, she, I don't, she's going to call me Patrick. She calls me Nate. But she's one of those people, I, that's fine. It's totally fine. So she says, Nate, I tell you what, I, I just begin to pray, and I just begin to speak in tongues, and the Holy Ghost fell in that room. The doctor was crying and wiping tears from her eyes. She's like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, and the Lord opened that door, and she said, it was at that moment that I understood that if I didn't have this diagnosis, I never get put in this office, and I never expose somebody to the saving power of Jesus Christ. And what she needed, what that doctor needed in that moment was not just another patient to come through. She needed somebody in her life that wasn't moving, that said, no matter what, I'm not wavering. No matter what, and that doctor was being pounded on and pounded on by sickness and pounded on with this disease and didn't know what she was going to do and all of her intellect was failing her and all of her experience did no good for her and she didn't know where to reach out to and somebody there was underneath absorbing the blows so that this woman could have an experience with Jesus Christ. And we say, oh, the devil's attacking me. Oh, the devil's on me. Oh, the devil's doing all of these things. No, he's not. God's got you right where he wants you. And he wants to do a work in your life. And you need to stand up straight and say, devil, you're a liar. I don't believe that for one second. I will not be moved. Because can I tell you, first of all, that you're promised affliction. Do we know that? This is not like if this is your first time in an apostolic church and you're kind of figuring out what this whole walk with God is all about. This isn't one of our selling points. We did a Bible study on the Apostle Paul in, in the book of Acts. And we talked about that the, the more he lived for God, the more his life began to mirror the life of Jesus Christ. Even to the very end, to some of the very details, as he's getting back and forth to different rulers and, and he's going back and forth to different places and trials and things that would take place, like literal trials and testimony that he would have to give mirrored the same, similarly with Jesus Christ, the testimonies that he would give. And he went back and forth finally and to his end. And a guy that had been coming to the church for five years came up to me and he said, If you would have told me this five years ago, I would have I left. I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want anything to do with that nonsense. You know what happened with this gentleman? Oh, I'm, oh okay. Yeah, no, focus. You know what happened with this gentleman? I'll tell you what happened with this gentleman. He was one year into the church. He had been, he had been actually ministered to by Brother Aaron Wright. How many of you folks, you folks know who Aaron Wright is? Do we know? No? Like three people? Okay. <laughs> Brother Aaron Wright had been ministered to him for years. For years. And then he went on, he left the, he graduated ABI, went in the evangelist field. This man 
this man, uh, Aaron Wright, came back to church and brought him into church um, after several years of, of being disconnected from him. This man came into church, was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and he was living on fire for God, and it was just this beautiful thing to see him into the church. Now, a year, about a year into the church, we said, hey, bro, would you mind maybe stepping up and being involved in certain ministry, and, and maybe we want to get you kind of involved in something. He said, you know what, I'll pray about it. He came back, he said, I would love to do that. Just, just one week no, I'm sorry, it was less than one week. It was, it was the next day. It was the very next day after he said, I'm going to go ahead and do that, his wife passed away. And you can choose to be angry with God. And you can choose to be bitter at God. And you can choose to say, I quit. I throw in the towel. I don't want anything to do with that. And can I tell you, maybe there are times when tragedy and unexpected things land on your shore that you didn't expect and you didn't sign up for. Crosses like Simon the Cyrene, crosses that you didn't expect to carry, crosses that you, you're just going minding your own business, and all of a sudden you're lab, lab, labored with something that, that you didn't expect to have. And, 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 and you go, where did this come from? God, I didn't sign up for this. But what he's doing is he's saying, I'm trying to put something on you so that I can work something out of somebody else. If you can just be there for them like I was there for you, then you're going to see someone being formed and shaped and molded into something beautiful. I just need someone who just will stand and say, I'm immovable. I'm immovable. For our light affliction, 2 Corinthians 3 and 5, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, Worketh in us a worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It's a light affliction, and I get it. Doesn't feel like a light affliction, does it? No, it doesn't feel like a light affliction. It doesn't feel like like Lord, how, where did this come from? What? Why is this happening to me? Why do I have to go through this? It's because, I, I don't know what else to say, but it's because somebody out there needs to be shaped and molded. And God just needs somebody who will stand there and say, you go ahead and take this while I do my work in their lives. James 1 and 17 and I know I didn't give you some of these scriptures, so I'm just going off here. But James 1 and 17 says this, For every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now, I, I don't, I'm not a Bible scholar, and I don't claim to know, know much about things in general. But I don't, I'm curious, what the, what's the difference between a good gift and a perfect gift? Every good gift and every perfect gift. The way that I just, maybe this is just me, so this is 100%, this is just me. But the way I apply this to, the, to my life is this. Is that there are the good gifts where you go, man, that's really great, that's good. That's good, like a gift that you get that's good. And you really, like, you just embrace it. And then there are the gifts that you get where you go, oh, Perfect. Does that sound about right? Oh, perfect. My water heater went out again. Oh, perfect. Another flat tire. Oh, perfect. 
a snowstorm in May. That's like, that's common. Every good gift and every, every perfect gift. Because there are those good things that happen to you that you just embrace. But then there are those gifts, the word perfect, as we read it in Scripture, the word perfect means complete. The, the, the gifts that make you complete. That you didn't know that you needed. But apparently you did. Every good gift and every perfect gift. God's just saying, will you hold your ground? Will you stand immovable? Because in 1 Peter 4 and 12, it says this, and I'm, I'm hurrying to a close here tonight in just, a, in just a moment or so. But 1 Peter 4 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange. Remember, we open this up with Luke chapter 6, which talks about praying for those who spitefully use you, bless those who curse you, right? Do good to those who don't do good to you, right? It says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Don't think that it's strange. Don't think that it's just odd or that you, it's like, like, God, what did I do to deserve this? But the very next verse in that chapter says this, but rejoice. Oh, now I just got a lot of excitement right there. Because that, that's not very exciting, is it? If I was talking about you know, like I was doing this morning, if I talk about healing, we, we had, a, we had a, a gal at the church um, not that long ago. She was baptized, and, and she had one leg that was shorter than the other. And when she went in the water and she got baptized, in the baptismal tank, that leg grew longer, and she came out walking perfectly. Whew, that's, that's awesome. We had somebody else who got beat up because of his faith. And, and I, I don't know about you, but this, this verse here says to rejoice. We don't feel like rejoicing. Because that doesn't make us feel like, feel like that's something to get excited about. We feel like something's gone wrong in the plan. We feel like this, this can't be right. When, when fiery trials come my way, this can't be right. But Scripture says rejoice. In Acts, in Acts when, Peter, when, when Peter and John were, were arrested and they were beaten and, the, and, they were to, and they were cast out saying, don't preach in his name, and then they were released and they were told, don't do that anymore after they were beaten. They, the Bible says they went and reported it to everybody, and they, they just begin to rejoice and thank God that they were counted worthy to be able to suffer in his likeness. And this verse tells us that when the fiery trial comes your way, it's not for us to just sit back and say, oh, God, what am I going to do? He needs somebody that's going to say, you know what? What? I don't understand where it's at, but thank God that I can partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, that I can also be exceedingly glad with joy. I don't know what that means to you here tonight, but I'll just tell you what it means to me, is that we've got to find our way. There, there's that, that second word in that verse, number 13, says this, it's but rejoice. 
That I, you know what? When th- everything's going great and we're coming into the church through the back doors, high fiving because God's been so good and we got all those good gifts that landed on our shore, we just begin to thank God. Man, everything's going great and everyone's living for God the way they should be living and everything's kind of operating like clockwork and man, everything's so good along this journey with God. But this says this that that it's not just the good gifts; it's the perfect gifts, the ones that the ones that you don't really want to rejoice for, the ones where someone slaps you because of your faith or they talk you down because of what. What you believe in, or they use you in a way that's, that, 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 that hurts you because of what you believe in, that they, or they, they curse you and they come against you, that when that happens, the same rejoicing saint that comes in that door is the same rejoicing saint that ought to come in the other one. You know what? I don't understand what God's doing, but I'm still going to worship. I'm still going to praise. He's still worthy, even if I'm going through it, even if I'm in the storm. It, come on, somebody. You act like God hasn't delivered you before. You think he's faithful, and he's going to do it again. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're in the middle of, but he's not looking for a a church that's just sitting back and saying, God, woe is me, and I don't know if we're ever going to figure it out. He's looking for a people that are saying, I'm the Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was good to me yesterday. He's still good to me today. Even though things were good then and bad now, blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm still going to rejoice. that's what the Lord is looking for today. He's looking for a people that aren't moving with the winds and the waves of time. He's looking for a people that no matter what happens in that crazy world, we are on our way to heaven. I'm on my way to see Jesus And I'm taking as much of the people out of this world as I can along this way. But what if they pass that law? Oh, go ahead, pass that law because I am a part of a different kingdom. What if they pass these these mandates? Go ahead, pass those mandates. I'm a part of a different kingdom. What if they shut your here hear me? What if they shut your doors? River Life, what if they shut your doors? What if you show up to church on a Sunday morning in January, the warmest month of the year, and there's change on those doors and a sign on the door, what are you going to do? Well, I don't really know. I guess you just got to go home and do church online, Pastor. I just, you know, I guess I'll just stay in my pajamas next week. Like, what? What are we talking about? <laughs> you know how we, you know how, okay, I got to hurry. Musicians, you can just come, you just come on. Just bail me out tonight. No, like really, <laughs> like you could you could go ahead and do your thing. I'm gonna close. I'm gonna start to close with this, probably. <laughs> you know how I we had this thing, and and brother, look, you probably saw it when when there were all these memes and these things when when we were locked down for three months and ever since our first Sunday back, we're all gonna come back and go crazy. You probably saw some of those things, and I tell you what, the first Sunday that we had coming back, nobody was going crazy. Just hands in our pockets and worshiping like this. You know what this means? This means I don't know. That's like this. This is lifting my hands. This means I, I don't. I don't really know. That's what was going on. I wasn't too excited about that. But can I tell you one of the most exciting things that happened is when I got a phone call as I was getting ready to leave for the church. And there was a police officer showing up at our church saying, we've got some complaints about some things that are going on around here. 
and we're concerned maybe about what's happening here at your church. And I don't know about you, I got excited. I said, go ahead, complain all you want. That just means I'm doing something right. And it's not me who's doing something right. It's the Lord moving through his people. It's a people that are saying no matter what happens in this world, no, mat- no matter what happens in this world, immovable. Be you steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Galatians 6 and 17 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, that also shall you reap. Now, a lot of times we think of that in the negative. We think of that like, oh, if we just reap of the, uh, sow of the flesh, we're just going to reap of the flesh corruption. That's part of the verse. But the other part of the verse is this, is that if you sow in the Spirit, you will reap of the Spirit everlasting life. It's mockery to God to think that you can be steady and faithful and unmoving. It's mockery to God to think that you won't reap a harvest and that you won't come out ahead and that you won't be victorious when the, when the battle begins to wage. It's mockery to God to think that his faithful saints that are standing their ground despite the falling, it's mockery to God to think that he won't see you through. Don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. There's a church that's standing firm and saying, I'm not going to move no matter what. So they lock your doors and say you can't come to church. Thank you Jesus. We must be doing something right. So they find you for your faith and say, you're spewing some hate speech over the pulpit. Thank you Jesus. We must be doing something right. So they come at you and they mock you for your faith. So they use you, so they curse you, so they blame you for all kinds of things that, that, that's going on in their lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's what God needs today. That's what I believe that's what he's looking for in these days. Is a church, a people. They're willing to say, it's a song that we used to sing a long time ago. God, if you can use anything, you can use me. Sometimes we sing that song not really knowing what we're signing up for. But he's saying, I trust you. I trust you with this. I trust you to be the one. So why do they hate me? God says, because I'm working on them. Why did they reject me? Because I'm working on them. Why did they leave me? Because I'm working on them. Why did this happen to me? Because I'm working on them. And I just need you to be the one, to be the faithful one, the faithful one that he can work on those in this world and trust you to carry the weight of an immovable church founded on the rock, Christ Jesus. Can we stand together here tonight? All the while, 2020, 2021 comes and goes. And the things of this world and the person who spitefully uses you with hate and insults The man or the woman that hates you and curses you and strikes you with his hand or with words. Those who are unkind and ungrateful towards you. All the while, there you are. The object that God has encountered, has chosen to encounter in their lives. 
I will not be moved. I don't know what's coming, Lord. I won't be moved. I don't know what we're going to have to endure. But I know that you're on the other side of this. And that you're in it. So I will not be moved. God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the next chapter brings. I don't know what the next season brings. But Lord, steadfast, immovable, I will not be moved.